0: when you're smiling hey you bubbly sparkling water is crisp refreshing and perfect for any occasion kind of like my voice but in a can no calories no sweeteners all smiles bubbly crack a smile Movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, we'll be talking about the movie Contagion. Contagion came out in 2011, and stars Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Damon, and Lawrence Fishburne. I'll be talking about that in a few minutes, and then also too, since this actually has a lot to do with the COVID 19 epidemic or parademic and stuff like that. My friend Kyle actually wrote into the show, and if you don't know who Kyle is or anything like that, he's actually the guy that him and I went on ahead and talked about. Mortal Kombat what it was like for him and I as kids to see Mortal Kombat for the very first time you can actually check that out on the podcast if you haven't checked it out already but anyways he asked me a question about does this actually pave the way for Hollywood to make more movies about uh, viruses or outbreaks in the movie industry and I'm going to answer that question a few minutes after my Contagion review then I'm doing a top uh top 10 plot twist and unexpected endings and also, too, this actually marks 20 years since the movie Get Ready to Rumble actually came out in theaters. And I actually want to do a little bit of a throwback about what it was like for me to see that movie for the very first time as a wrestling fan in the 90s, and well, 90s early 2000s. But that's what I'm going to be talking about. So let's go on ahead and get on with the show. So as I mentioned before, Contagion is a movie that came out in 2011 and stars Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Damon, and Lawrence Fishburne. And what this movie does is it does not It does a really good job at explaining how viruses and outbreaks actually goes from person to person. And also, too, there's a little bit of a mystery element to this movie, too, because of the fact they don't actually go into detail about how this virus actually starts. What they do instead is, let me paint the picture for you. First, they go on ahead and... They, they go into the different countries and different states about the population. And also, too, this also takes place a little bit in Hong Kong because of the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow's character is actually on a business trip to Hong Kong. And after she gets done with her business trip at Hong Kong, she goes back over to Minnesota and gives it over to Matt da- Since she's married to Matt Damon, she uh, she ends up giving it, giving it to her son and her son winds up having the virus and not only that but she winds up dying and then the son winds up dying but the good news is that Damon's still alive and also too his daughter the reason why his daughter is still alive is because of the fact that he she was actually spending the night during the time that her that her mother actually came home so she's not affected by this virus but what like i said before at the very beginning of this re- of this review is the fact that they actually do a great job at giving us a little bit of a mystery aspect as to how not really explaining how this virus actually ended up happening because what it does instead is it shows us the coughing, the high fever, and how it actually transfers to one person to the other by touching and stuff like that. And it actually is the closest thing to reality when you're looking at this COVID-19 issue because of the fact that, you know, this whole entire coronavirus started off with it being in China. And then after that, it winds up traveling, winded up traveling to Europe and ended up traveling to the United States. And It's actually kind of scary about how this whole entire thing actually happened and how this movie actually, you can actually go ahead and connect the dots about how we're actually living in the life of the contagion. And not only that, but if you think about it too, this is actually the doc, we're living in the documentary as well of contagion. And I have to say, Lawrence Fishburne does a really good job as the doctor trying to explain how this, how they're trying to actually contain this virus and also trying to keep things at a level... Key to where they're not trying to make people panic. I also like too how they actually go into it into the newsroom and actually explaining what this virus actually is and trying to get the news anchors on board with not trying to cause a panic. But we also know for a fact too that because of this virus and everything, people are actually going to panic. Especially the fact that we all have to be quarantined. All everybody has to go ahead and not touch each other, touch their face, or do any of that other stuff. And it's just, like I said, it's just like this movie here. Everything is connected in with how contagion it is. And this movie came out in 2011. Can you actually believe that? And now we're living in those days. But Matt Damon does a really good job at caring for his daughter and everything else. And also, too, what I, what I love about this movie is, what I like about this is, the fact that he goes into this convenience store, and he's trying to buy stuff for his daughter and everything, And it goes to show you how catastrophic this whole entire thing is when people are actually panicking because of the fact that number one, the windows are smashed out. There's no law. There's no police car stopping people from lording or anything like that. And even Matt Damon even points it out too, is like, where's people that actually work here so that way I can check out or whatever. But there's squanderers, there's people that are actually just fending for themselves. And then it goes into the whole entire fact that people are even trying to steal Matt Damon's car. Then there's, there's a border where Matt Damon's actually trying to go on ahead and go into another city to where you actually can get stuff for his daughter and him so the way they can survive this whole entire pandemic. And... Another thing too is it even goes into this other guy who happens to be a blogger and this guy does this. He winds up acting like or he says that he actually had the virus and he ended up getting the cure for the virus and everything. So the way he can cause some type of publicity. But here's the thing. Do we actually know if he actually had the virus or not? Or is he just trying to be one of those bloggers who's craving attention so we can get about 15 minutes of fame? Or anything like that. So there's that little bit of mystery element with him. If he's telling the truth or if he's just BSing the whole entire time. But, like I said, they set everything up really well. The building blocks for this movie actually fits into what we're living in today. And not only that, but if you even look at the whole entire toilet paper issue and stuff like that. Also reminds me of Contagion. And it hasn't gotten on that level of where people are actually breaking windows and stuff like that at least not over here anyways but it goes to show you the extreme people will do to try and survive and then also too Matt Damon also goes ahead and does this he breaks into somebody's house to try and get food trying to swander and trying to see what he can do to provide for his daughter and then also too he's also trying to keep her away from other people as well and so the way she's not contracting anything from the from a virus or anything like that so there's that and then once everything is actually tied in together i have to say they do a really good job at giving you a little bit of a plot twist on how the virus has actually carried through from person to person who the carrier was who the carrier was actually was and how it got from what person to person and how it can actually be carried out and of course, you're actually wondering if Lawrence Fishburne is even going to find a cure for this virus. And not only that, but he also had a doctor that was working for him that winds up getting sick. And he's trying to bring her back to the United States and it's all his fault and there's blame to put on him. And he feels guilty for the fact that she has this virus and he's trying to bring her back home. But here's the thing. Everybody's saying, well, you know, there's other people out there who has the virus and everything and... There's not going to be anybody else that's going to wind up trying to bring her back or anything like that. She's going to have to stay where she is, and there's that whole entire guilt is 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 she going to be able to be okay by by the time that Lawrence Fishburne winds up bringing her back home, or is she going to wind up dying in the country that Lawrence Fishburne actually sent her to? So there's that little key element, a mystery to it, and I have to say it's actually spot on to everything on how things are actually carried through. The whole entire Outbreak. Don't get me wrong. I love the 1995 movie Outbreak. And I I said this too in my review for Outbreak in the podcast. In a recent podcast. Where I said it actually does a good job at actually explaining. You know how the monkey bite actually traveled from person to person. And stuff like that. But this goes into a whole new level. Of explaining how being six feet away. Is actually the best option to where we don't have contact with anybody. And only get stuff that we actually need. So it actually does a better job at breaking things down than the movie Outbreak. But Contagion is a good movie. I recommend that you guys actually check that out. So, and my, and here's the thing. One, my best friend Kyle, he winded up asking me this. He said, with this whole entire virus out, outbreak and everything, does this actually pave the way for Hollywood to make more movies regarding the viruses and also outbreaks? And I have to say, yes, it does. Because of the fact, we had a sleuth of them a while back. We had The Crazies. We had Maggie, which is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and I know that it has to do with a zombie bite and stuff like that. But there's a sleuth of virus movies out there that Hollywood made back in the early 2000s and stuff like that that you can actually watch. As a matter of fact, I've watched 28 weeks later. I'm probably going to end up trying to do rewatch it again so I can do a review on it. But if you want to catch those early 2000s, Movies and everything. I recommend that you check some of those out. But you know for Catasian it's a great movie. It's a good start to actually figure out how this thing's actually happening. And how this pandemic actually happened. But you know Hollywood is always trying to find ways to actually make, make things based on true stories. And stuff like that. And, you know, as soon as something happens, they actually want to make something out of something. For example, we had the whole entire thing with Katrina that happened back in 2005. No, no, not 2005, but 2006, I want to say. Either between 2005 or 2006, and HBO made a series about Katrina, about surviving during the Katrina days and stuff like that. So it's not going to be a surprise to me that we might actually see something within that whole entire frame, too, where we might actually see, number one, a documentary series about what people are going through during this time or making an actual full-length movie out of what people were actually going through during this time. But, you know, I think that that's going to be what's going to happen whenever this whole entire virus is over with because everything's going to be operating again. People are going to wind up trying to think of different ways to... Try and find ways of entertaining, and I think that the writers and stuff like that are actually gonna want to do a movie regarding the whole entire COVID nineteen coronavirus. So we're just gonna have to wait and see on that. Now I want to go on ahead, and I know I was gonna do my top ten list, but I might wait a minute for that. uh And I'm gonna talk about that in a minute, but I want to talk about Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble was a great movie back in the early to matter of fact, it came out ten years. 10 no 20 years ago today it came out it came out in the year 2000 not to mention this is actually one of those movies if you're like a die-hard wrestling fan back in those days you're gonna wind up loving this movie and let me tell you why you're gonna love this movie it's the whole fact that you know you have upcoming WCW wrestlers you had Goldberg you also had Sting who was like an old-school wrestler anyways Sting was actually one of my favorite wrestlers back in the day not only that but WWE was at the peak of their prime when you had the NWO, you had X-Pac, you had the Next Generation Order, you had The Rock, you had Steve Austin, you had all these great wrestlers coming into this fraction. And then you also have the WCW versus WWE type of vibe where it's like, well, which one's better? Just like how Marvel versus DC is or Star Trek versus Star Wars, we actually have that in the Wrestling Federation where we have WCW versus WWE, which one is the better brand? And, you know, everybody has their thing, but who who didn't love the Nitro Girls? Who didn't like Diamond Dallas Page? Who didn't like those wrestlers and everything on WCW? As a matter of fact, that's also where Hollywood Hogan was actually introduced, where Hulk Hogan changed his name to Hollywood Hogan. And, you know, I have to say, WC, uh, not WCW, but Ready to Rumble actually represents what it was like to actually be a fan of the wrestling federations at that time. And, you know, David Arquette does such a great job at bringing his comedic timing and stuff like that. And I love the fact that, you know, you actually have the real wrestlers from WCW in this movie. And basically, the plot line is this. This guy named King winds up losing the belt to Diamond Dallas Page. And he winds up not being a wrestler anymore. So when they, and it's kind of like when you meet your heroes for the very first time is, and everything. It's not what you actually, you picture it in your mind how it's going to go. Because whenever they meet King in person, whenever, because he lost his job and stuff like that. And how dirty the Wrestling Federation is in the movie. Now, this is just fictionalized. I'm not saying how dirty the WCW is or anything like that. That's a story for another time. But in the fictionalized world of Ready to Rumble and everything, it goes to show you how dirty the whole entire operation was. And so anyways, they go on ahead and try to retrain King to actually take back their his belt to be champion. And I love the fact that, you know... You have two fans that are diehard fans of WCW and you're trying to train a wrestler to come out of his drunkenness and try and correct his wrongs and try and do something right because of the fact that he made a he made a crappy some crappy choices during the time that he was actually wrestling and he thought he was actually big and bad. And then <clears throat> also too, you also have the passion of the fans, which is David Arquette's character. You also have what it's like to be in the wrestling world and everything, especially whenever David Arquette and of his best friend goes into the re- wrestling arena and they see Goldberg for the first time and they're fanboying over the fact that they're seeing Goldberg for the very first time and then the Nitro Girls. And it's just a fantastic comedy. And actually, I would have to say, this is actually a pretty good road trip movie as well because they actually have to do some traveling to get to King's house But on the way, they get into some things as well. So I actually like that. And also, too, David Arquette's character, his father wants to control him and wants him to be a sheriff like he is or a cop like he is. And he doesn't want to follow that passion. Just because your parents are doing something doesn't mean that you actually have to follow in their footsteps. And that's exactly what David Arquette is trying to do in this movie is following his own footsteps, his own patterns, and walk his own way. But his father has a shadow over him where he wants him to do whatever he wants him to do. But it also has this other guy who ends up being a fan of King as well, and he's also a wrestling fan. And also, too, he played in the movie Major Pain. He was the kid with the big ears. He also played Sherman, which was also the Shermanator and American Pie. So you actually have a younger version of the Shermanator playing an arcade game inside the inside this convenience shop back whenever they used to have arcades but I love that little uh, little nugget there because I remember playing arcade games and everything else in a convenience store but if you're looking for a good movie with a lot of heart and also to just good comedy and where you're gonna laugh all the way through it may be a little bit dated but still the humor still holds up I really enjoyed watching that movie for the very first time and also to being a wrestling fan during that time because here's the thing i'm not a wrestling fan now i'm trying to get back into it because i'm mostly a ufc fan now but being a fan during that time was like probably the best experience that you can actually get in the early 2000s like i said you had x pac you had the rock coming up you had stone cold steve austin you also had your wcw people hollywood hogan you had sting but she was already there but you know what i'm saying you have all these great, and Bill Goldberg, you have all these wrestlers coming up from both um, wrestling federations and everything, and it was just a great experience to be able to be a wrestling fan during that time. So, with that being said, let me go on ahead and get into my top 10 list of... Plot twists and unexpected endings. So the first movie I want to actually talk about is The Sixth Sense. Now, The Sixth Sense came out in 1999 and stars Bruce Willis. And what I love about this movie is, is the fact that you have no idea what you're in for at the very beginning. Yeah, we actually see, we actually know that he's actually a psychiatrist. And, you know, we actually hear a gunshot whenever he's, when this, one of his patients winds up bringing him to his home. And we don't know what happened after that. All we know is that it fast forwards into a couple of years later and Bruce Willis is still alive and well. He still has his wife. Everything is fine in his world. And, you know, the whole and another thing, too, is you're wondering in this movie, why is his wife ignoring him? whenever he's trying to talk about his day, about his patience and stuff like that. And you don't know why. You think that she's just pissed off at him because maybe he's being a crappy husband or something like that. Something that M. Night Shyam and I didn't explain in the movie or anything like at that time when you're watching it. But as the movie progresses, it's actually a really good movie. And the kid that uh, that's in this movie does a fantastic job. I forgot his name. But whenever he says he sees dead people and you actually see... How cold it is in that room. Whenever the temperature drops. And you can actually see the steam coming out of his mouth. From it being so cold. And because he can see dead people. It is the most terrifying. The most unreal. Uh, almost all. I'm just going to say this. It's the most real thing that you can actually see in a horror movie. Especially whenever he pulls the blankets underneath his face. And all of a sudden you see this ghost that just happens to pop up. This demon type being. And she's just... I'm just going to tell you. She's vomiting. She has... She's like really uh, wrinkly skin. Skin's just falling off of her body. And it's just one of those grotesque things that you... The most grotesque thing that you can even see at that time in 1999. And not only that, but I remember seeing it for the very first time in movie theaters. And this woman goes, oh my god. And she's over there freaking out because of how horrified this woman actually looks. And everything underneath those covers. And then also two, the plot twist you're in for with M Night Shyamalan does because you're not expecting a plot twist or anything like that. This is actually M Night Shyamalan's second movie aside from Unbreakable, which is actually a good movie by the way. But he does such a great job with plot twists. He knows how to place his characters in a certain positions to where they need to be. They're like chess pieces. And once that another thing too is that he's actually good at making tension build up during that time, and then once that tension is gone. He releases that tension. It kind of reminds you of James, James Wan with his Conjuring universe and everything, with a small, uh, with a small build up and everything with a little bit of tension, and then once that tension is let go, it's released onto the world. And I have to say, Signs is not Signs, but The Sixth Sense is one of the best movies that you can actually watch from M Night aside from Split. But I'm going to be talking about Split in a few minutes. But you know, this movie. i understand that this movie is more than 20 years old right now and stuff like that i get it and some people might have i know that a lot of people already know the ending this whole entire surprise ending and stuff like that but i'm not going to end up spoiling it for anybody who hasn't seen it or anything like that because i want you guys to have the same experience that i did watching it for the very first time and even though it came out at a certain certain time i want you you guys to be able to feel the same level of excitement same type of feeling that i did so check out the movie the sixth sense i think you guys are actually going to like it and then another movie that i want to talk about is the movie fight club this movie stars edward norton and brad pitt and let me just tell you this movie it does such a great job at trying to do trying to give you a suspense level movie and also a psychological thriller as well and what I mean by that is at the very beginning of this, of this movie, you hear Edward Norton's voiceover. He's the narrator for this movie. And he's, he's explaining about how things that we don't need versus things that we do need. And how we are actually showing off to our friends about what we bought with our money and stuff like that. And about how we waste our money on stupid things. And then, of course, he makes Kyle Durgent on an airplane. And he's actually sells soap for a living. And so, anyways, he winds up coming across with Kyle Durgin again. And they decided one night just to beat the heck out of each other. And all of a sudden, they decided to form Fight Club. The rule number one, which I'm already breaking because I'm not supposed to be talking about Fight Club. So, how rude of me to be talking about Fight Club now? I'm going to probably have Kyle Durgin beating the crap out of me. Or having Edward Norton. Eh, maybe both of them. But, anyways. This movie does such a great job at gluing you into this whole entire world of fight club underworld fighting and also too it goes from being an underworld fighting movie to being like a cult type of thing where it's going beyond underworld fighting and what i mean by that is okay once edward norton's house winds up blowing up or whatever because of the fact that somebody because he left the uh, stove on and then the compressor winds up kicking on it makes a spark and you know I'm not gonna tell you how that works because everybody knows it's common sense his apartment blows up so he doesn't have anywhere to go so he's staying over at Kyle Durgeon's place and they f- and he figures well since he's staying there he can they can still work on the on Fight Club and stuff like that and then also too he's also um moves in his girlfriend that he actually meets in an AA meeting because he's actually a uh, A drunkard. I believe. And he winds up meeting her. And next thing you know it. She's living with them. And then also too. She's probably not. She's also banging uh, Kyle Durgeon. And it starts into a whole entire catastrophe with that. But. How it winds up becoming like a cult type of movie is the fact that he go. Kyle Durgent just goes off the reels whenever he goes into a whole entire political rant and about how things people are wasting on and how the certain companies are actually building up and stuff like that and taking people's money and then next thing you know he wants to bomb them and then that's when Edward Norton wants to try and stop those members of Fight Club from actually happening. And a matter of fact, they actually have the singer Meatloaf in this movie. And I'm going to tell you, this movie is great. If you're looking for a good suspense movie, a good plot twist for this movie that you're not even expecting from this, you're going to love the movie Fight Club. And like I said, this is another one of those movies that are old, but the movie delivers. Edward Norton's acting delivers. Brad Pitt's, acting delivers everything in this movie is just fantastically well done perfectly well executed you can actually believe that these characters are who they are they actually feel real rather than something that actually feels kind of secondary very paint by the numbers kind of characters when there's a lot of layers to actually unlock from them but they actually bring their a game with this movie and i think that you guys are actually going to have a lot of fun watching fight club and if you haven't seen Fight Club, go ahead and check it out. If you have, let me know what you guys think about it and everything. Send me a voicemail message about this show, about this segment. Or if you have any questions, go ahead and send them in too. Because I can actually use that for the next episode. Because I'm curious about what you guys have to say. But that's my whole entire take on Fight Club. Then we have another Edward Norton movie that I really liked. And this movie is called Primal Fear. And Primal Fear is about this guy who winds up... Um, well, basically, Richard Gere's in this movie, and Richard Gere is, in, is a lawyer, and he's investigating stuff that happened within the Catholic Church, and Edward Norton supposedly killed the priest, and or is it actually a, con- a convict who ended up killing the, uh, killing the priest. And so anyways, he has to f- try and find out if he's actually the one who did it or if somebody else did it or what was the purpose of the priest actually being murdered. And as the whole entire movie plays out, he as he unco- as Richard Gere winds up uncovering more stuff about the priest and about the dirty things he's done, you can actually t- see why somebody would actually want to murder him. And this movie takes place in the, 19, in the early 90s or late 90s. But it does such a great job of gluing you into the characters. Just like Fight Club did. And explaining things to you. And putting things into certain aspects. To where, you know, they everything's in there for a reason. And it's ready to be unpacked. But not ready to be unpacked yet. And the plot twist for this movie will just blow you away. With the way this actually is. And I'm going to tell you. This movie will grab at your heartstrings. This movie will leave you... A brief, uh, leave you breathtaking as well, because of the fact that you know this is a suspense mystery movie. You don't know why this priest was actually murdered. You have this guy who's in a prison cell that people actually want want him dead because of what he supposedly did, and you don't know if he's innocent. You don't know if he killed this priest or not. All you know is that the priest died because of the things he did in uh, in the church and. I'm not going to go into detail about that or anything like that, but you get my grip when I'm coming with a priest in the church, if you know what I mean, especially dealing in the uh, late nineties, early nineties, when we had a whole bunch of things that happened within that, in the Catholic church thing. And it's still probably going on today, but still it happened mostly in the uh, early nineties or late nineties, whenever this whole entire thing happened, but it does a great job. Everything is there for a reason. Nothing's there. Um, For no purpose at all, because everything is there to actually explain to you what's going on within the story itself. Richard Gere is actually trying to figure out the pattern on if this kid is innocent or not, or if he or if he's not innocent. So there's that aspect and everything that I actually have to say that they do a really good job on. And like I said, nothing about this movie actually feels secondary or anything like that. This movie actually knows what it is; it takes itself serious. And it glues you into the whole entire movie. So if you haven't seen this movie, I recommend that you watch Primal Fair. Because it's just one of those movies that, you know, you cannot walk away from. Now I have number four on my list, the movie Orphan. And the reason why I have this movie on air is the fact that, you know, it, the, this ending is just mind-blowing, Especially when you don't expect it. And what this movie is about is about this girl who wants to be adopted. And she's been in this home for a while. People keep on sending her back. She's just like the movie Problem Child with Junior. But they keep sending her back. They don't know why she keeps on being sent back. But she's being sent back. And so this family winds up taking her in. Then all of a sudden, this orphan girl, this girl that they take in. Starts murdering people. Starts doing off the wall. All the real stuff. And also tries to kill her sister. Tries to kill the family. And it's a whole entire suspense thing. Of, is this girl going to die? Is this girl, orphan girl going to die or is the family going to live what's going to happen with the whole entire scenario and then the plot twist oh my god that plot twist at the very end of this movie will just blow blow your mind and this movie came out around 2009 i believe or 2010 around that area but i remember actually my jaw dropped because i was not expecting what i was expecting i was expecting just like a one-track kind of movie where okay it's a slasher type of movie where this girl is actually going crazy. Kind of like what Good Son is with Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. And basically, it's good versus evil where you have this little girl that is part of the family trying to take down the orphan girl. And also the family trying to take down this orphan girl. And that's what I thought the whole entire premise was going to be built around. Then all of a sudden, that plot change actually changes it. It just blows your whole entire perspective of what this movie's been about. It doesn't even take you out of the movie. You're like, oh my god, did this just really happen? Did this really happen with this movie? And you're glued into this movie for an hour and 40 minutes. I believe that's how long the runtime is for this movie. But if you haven't seen... Orphan or anything like that. I strongly recommend that you guys actually check it out. The chemistry actually works with the characters. The husband and wife does a, the people, the actors and actresses who play this, uh, play the spouses and everything does a really good job. Even the orphan girl and also the uh, her sister does a really good job at bouncing off each other and playing with each other and stuff like that. They do a really good job with that. So I strongly recommend that you check out Orphan. Then I'm gonna drop into another movie that I really like, and it stars Kevin Spacey. And that movie is now actually number five on my list. And that movie is The Usual Suspects. And The Usual Sus- Suspects is this: basically, Kevin Spacey's inside the interrogation room, and he's trying to explain to the cops about this drug dealer, this big-time money drug dealer, that. He actually witnessed somebody uh, killing, and also, too, about how many drugs was actually on the on a ship and stuff like that, and about how certain people were killed in front of him. And not only that, but this guy's also a con man, too, so you're actually wondering, okay, is this guy actually telling the truth, or is this guy uh, actually furthering the truth from what what it really is? Or is he the murderer? And that's also another thing that plays out too is like you're wondering the whole entire time is if this guy is actually who he says he is, or he's just making crap up out of his head. And each thing plays into a flashback, and each flashback you can actually try and paste things together. And then if you think that you actually paste things together, and everything, you're gonna be you're gonna be blown away just like you were with Orphan, because of the fact that when you think you actually have stuff actually figured out. It goes through a whole entire 360. Because Kevin Spacey is just that good of an actor. Despite what he's done. In his personal life. But. He does such a good job at gluing you in. To this world. And wondering if this guy's actually telling the truth. Or if he's not telling the truth. And. You're wondering. Okay. So who's this big drug dealer? Where is he at? Why is he not in this interrogation room? And stuff like that. And. It's just mind-boggling on how great this movie is. And this movie also came out in the 90s as well. So you can probably either pick this up on Hulu or on Amazon Prime. I know I know, I watched it on Netflix a while back. I'm not sure it's still on Netflix. But go ahead and check it out and let me know what you guys think about it. Now I'm going to be talking about the movie Split. This movie came out in 2016, I believe. And this movie, uh, I'm going to tell you. It's amazing because M. Night Shamani directed it. And also, too, I was also iffy with M. Night Shyamani movies because of the fact that he made a bunch of garbage movies and everything. And a matter of fact, the movie studios didn't even want to take a chance with him at all for a while. A matter of fact, they had to remove his name from certain movies. That he directed. So the way people would actually go out and see them. And the whole entire reason being. Is the fact that he got a big hit. Especially after making signs. The Sixth Sense. And also uh, The Village. And Unbreakable. They were actually tell- telling him. That he's the next Steven Spielberg. And all of a sudden it went to his head. So next thing you know. He made a bunch of toilet bowl movies. He came back with The Visitors. And that got some good reviews. Some good uh, b- some good noise Floating around with other people, and put him back on the map. And then all of a sudden, he comes out with the movie Split, and Split is about this guy who has seven or nine per- split personalities. And I have to say, this is probably M Night Shyamalan at his best whenever it comes down to a plot twist, because of the fact that you don't you're not even expecting what's going to be happening. And this movie, of course, uh stars um, uh, Professor Xavier from, you know, the X-Men movies, the, the whole entire new version of the X-Men and everything, and I have to say, this movie is just fantastic, and, you know, I strongly recommend that you guys actually check it out, and the, James McAvoy plays in the movie Split, and what I'm going to tell you this, it goes to show you the level of acting that he can, James McElroy can actually do, because he can do horror really well. Especially when you see in the movie It Chapter 2. Which to me was like the weakest out of the It cha- um, remake. But still. The acting ability that James McElroy brought to the character Bill. And even to this these characters that he's actually playing. He does a good job. Especially at the very beginning and everything. He winds up abducting this girl. And out of, the, out of her parents car. And he takes her and her friends. And to this basement looking thing and he's uh, having to do a split personality with a ten year old kid named Hedwick he has a um, another thing another personality named Patricia he has another personality and then whenever he switches personalities it's just like okay how is he going from being a female to being a little kid then back over to being a guy who's supposed to be sensitive and caring and also loves art and things like that, and then he goes into being a vicious type of person with this other personality. As a matter of fact, there's other personality is called the monster, I think. But you're wondering the whole entire time: is this girl even going to get out alive? The psychiatrist is even kind of wary about him and stuff like that, and starts doing her own research on him and things like that. And the plot twist at the very end is really mind boggling because you don't even expect it. As a matter of fact, I was hoping that he would actually go there with some uh, with his other movies and stuff like that, where it would actually connect with Unbreakable. But he does such a great job with giving us the layers to James McElroy. And he does a great job at setting up the characters that's supposed to be set up. And it gives us feelings of wanting to want this girl to actually survive. There's flashbacks with the girl back when she was younger, when she was hunting and stuff like that and stuff like, and things like that. And I'm going to tell you, this is a good movie from beginning, from start to finish. If you're looking for a good movie with James McElroy in it, you can't go wrong with the movie Split. And the originality behind M. Night night is really good with this. He's really strong with it. I have to say, I think M. Night is actually back. And I know some people didn't like the other um the sequel to Split that much. I haven't actually got the chance to actually finish that uh, Mr. Glass yet, or Glass yet, but I am going to finish it, and I'm actually probably going to do a review on all three of them and find out which one I like more and actually categorize it that way. But for Split, with a great plot twist, I strongly recommend it. And you can't go wrong with James McElroy, like I said. And this is actually... James McRoy at his best. Don't get me wrong. I love him as Professor Xavier and stuff like that. But it just shows you the level of acting that this guy can actually do. And I have to say, M. Night got the best that he could get out of his actors and actresses in this movie. So check out that whenever you have a chance. Now, I'm going to be dropping down to the movie Secret Window. Secret Window is based off a novella from Stephen King. It stars Johnny Depp. And it's about this writer who winds up um, driving to this hotel at the very beginning. This is how it opens up. It's snowing. And get this, I haven't even seen the movie in a long time, but I can still picture it in my head. But it's snowing. He ends up busting uh, busting his wife, having an affair with this other guy. And then after that happens, it breaks into him falling asleep, at his computer screen trying to write another book. And you can actually connect the dots with Stephen King a little bit. Where he's actually probably has writer's block sometimes. And he's waking up and things like that. But I'm going to tell you. This movie with Johnny Depp. He's not just playing him. He's not playing himself. He's not playing Johnny Depp. He's not playing Jack Sparrow. He's playing... Uh, he's playing the character the way he's supposed to be written. And it just goes to show you the caliber of acting that Johnny Depp can actually do whenever he's given a great script and it doesn't feel like a cartoon-based character. Because here's the thing. Lately, Johnny Depp's has been hit and miss here and there with things. And I wanted to like Black Mask. I just didn't like it as much as I would, thought I would. But that's a story for another time. But whenever the right script is actually in place and everything... He, he can do some good acting. And, you know, this. Whole, you have this guy who winds up coming to his house. This is the plot. And he's claiming that Johnny Depp stole his book or stole his novella idea. And Johnny Depp said, well, based off of this, off of the years that I actually wrote this book and everything, I wrote it first. So, therefore, you know... I was the one who wrote it first, so therefore I did not steal it from you. This guy keeps on stalking him, keeps on wanting to live in, uh, torture the living daylights out of him, pretty much, and stalking him. And not only that, but you can actually tell this actually has a small town, town kind of main kind of feel to it, especially whenever you look at the town setting. kind of reminds you of a little Castle Rock a little bit. But John DeToro plays John Shooter, who's actually the guy who's actually claiming that Johnny Depp stole... His book idea, but he goes to the extreme of actually proving that Johnny Depp stole his idea. He goes into killing his dog, st- uh, burning down his wife's house, and then also too, the cops are here and thinking that Johnny Depp probably was the one who wound up setting the fire as well because of the fact that him and his wife are actually getting a divorce and she's with that other guy now and stuff like that, and he can't stand the guy. But he has to try and get along anyway, so that way they can go ahead and discuss certain things with the house. So, I mean, I thought it was—I that this movie was really good. And then, you know, I thought that, you know, John DeToro did a really good job at trying to actually convince us that he's actually a scary dude when given the right script. And he goes on this very stockish kind of feel to it. And matter of fact, even the book agent actually had to deal with um, a couple of, the character's um, stalking days and stuff like that, where girls would want to stalk him and things like that. And he has to try and investigate John Shooter. And and I thought they did a really good job at bringing that part together. And then the plot twist happens. And let's just say, <laughs> this that plot twist, the way... Johnny Depp was able to do what he does in this movie will bring you to your knees and everything and make you very afraid of Johnny Depp and everything. This is like probably Johnny Depp as a drunk guy. That's how bad he was at. This is how dangerous he actually looked in this movie. And I'm going to tell you, this is great level acting between John Totero and also Johnny Depp. They both collaborated really well, bouncing off each other. And making you actually being afraid of John Shooter. I strongly recommend Secret Window. Stephen King is also one of my favorite authors. So I'm probably going to try and do a top list. Ten list of uh, movie adaptations of Stephen King. In a a couple of days or so. But if you want to check out a good suspense movie. That will actually leave you breathtaking. I I think think that you would actually like Secret Window. Now I'm going to drop into James Wan's very first movie that he ever made. And this movie, I think, cost like $6 million to make. It was like an independent movie. And that movie is Saw. And this is actually... Forget about all the other Saw movies or anything like that for a while. This is before the whole entire... Um, this is the before the whole entire Saw traps actually happened. This is before John Kramer um, made these traps and stuff like that. Before James Wan went into the whole entire origins. Or other directors went into the whole entire origins of John Kramer. This movie was something that was small. It starts in a small room. These two guys wake up. They don't know who they are. But they are connected in some way or fashion. They don't know why they're there. But they're there. There's a killer that that brought them together. And they're handcuffed in this one room. And it's in a bathroom. Kind of like I want to say. if you If I can describe it and everything. Because at that time you don't actually know where they're actually at or anything. So... Basically, they're in a basement or something where that's the best way that I can actually explain what this room actually looks like. But anyways, they don't know why they're there. They try different ways of finagling the whole entire thing to where they're not playing Jigsaw's game. And then, you know, there's another thing where, like I said, where they want to finagle his game. They act like that they're dead. And all of a sudden, Jigsaw winds up shocking them. And I'm like, how does he know that that they're faking? There's no way that he knows that they're faking. And there's also a dead guy in the middle of the thing, too. I forgot to mention that. But, you know, then they see where it says X marks the spot. They turn off the light. They wind up taking getting the recorder. The recorder is next to the dead guy. They go in and play it, and then they realize that... The people that they love are actually in danger. At least the doctor and his uh, the wife that he actually has is in danger. And that's where they have no choice but to play this game. And then also, too, my favorite line in this thing. I don't think that he, they want us to cut through the chains. They want us to cut through our feet. And this is just a brutal movie altogether by the time this thing wraps up. And then, you know... Of course, the plot twist at the very end, you don't even expect the plot twist until it actually happens because there's certain things that happen in this movie that you're going to end up being shocked over. And by that is, you're going to have to pay attention to every single aspect of this movie about how these characters come together, how everything is pieced together because it actually does feel like a giant jigsaw puzzle about how these characters actually fit in with each other and about what they do behind closed doors and stuff like that. Because not... The, both of these characters are very shady people and everything. Not one of them is good or anything like that. And you think that John Kramer, the guy who's actually behind the whole entire Jigsaw thing, is actually a good... Uh, is good? No. They're just as shady and everything else. But, you know, it's just really good storytelling. James Wan does a really good job at bringing things together. It also has Danny Glover in this movie. And he plays a police detective. He's actually trying to figure out where this Jigsaw killer actually is. And who he is. And also, too, this other girl named Amanda is also a survivor of Jigsaw. And because she wound up getting the head trap off her her head. And I forgot what she did to actually get there. But the whole entire thing is, (coughs) she's a survivor. And... So she's able to actually give the police officers a little bit of insight about who Jigsaw is and try and discover him. I think that you guys might actually like this movie. So if you haven't seen Saw, the very first Saw movie, go on in and check it out. It doesn't rely on the gore factor as much as the other Saw movies or anything like that. But it definitely does a good job at setting things up for the other Saw movies. So tell me what you guys think about that. So number nine on the list is, (coughs) excuse me. The Mist, and The Mist is based off of a Stephen King novel, and Thomas Jane's in this movie, and basically it's about these monsters that's within The Mist itself, and this little small town, and they're actually trying to survive these monsters, and they don't know how to actually survive them or anything like that, they're actually trying to get by, and trying to figure out how they're actually gonna get out of the convenience store and how they're actually gonna be able to get out of this town and this thing is just total mind-boggling especially with how dark this movie is Thomas Jane does a really good job at delivering his lines and I think this is actually probably a really good Stephen King adaptation I haven't read the book I I don't know but I know that the ending is totally different than what the book actually is but that ending to me was the most darkest and shocking. Um, and shocking ending that I've seen in a while. Which is why I said there was an unexpected ending. And same thing with Saw. That was also an unexpected ending as well. <clears throat> and if you've seen the movie. These two movies you know why. But you know. I thought that The Mist was a really good movie. Very suspenseful. Monsters. Filled with sci-fi. And also to The. And also another thing, too, I want to mention is the fact that everybody has something to hide in this thing. Because don't forget, small towns and everything and during chaos, sometimes it brings people together. And during that small time, during that time together, it re- people reveal their darkest side to themselves because they're stuck with each other. And it's, it turns into a whole bunch of drama and stuff like that i got to say, The Mist is a good movie if you want to check it out. This movie came out in 2007. Thomas Jane does a fantastic job. They actually released the Mist TV series, which I haven't checked out yet, on Netflix. So I might actually give that a little bit of a visit just to see if it's going to be any good or not. But I think it only lasted for like a a season. But it was still a good movie. I strongly recommend The Mist. Now I'm going to get into one last movie. This is actually my number 10. And this is not a horror movie. This is actually not um, anything like that. This movie is called Gone Baby Gone. And it's directed by Ben Affleck. Starring Casey Affleck. And this movie also has Morgan Freeman in it. And basically this girl um, this girl loses her daughter. She doesn't know where her daughter is at. She's lost. And it's up to Casey Affleck to find out where her daughter actually is. And as he's going through, trying to find out where, his, where her daughter is, trying to find out where people last saw her, where uh, and stuff like that. And also, too, you also find out, too, that the mother is not really a great mother at all. As a matter of fact, she shouldn't even be a mother, if you actually think about it, because of the things she's done. And by that, I mean, like, she's like an unfit mother. Like, who leaves her daughter unattended and then doesn't know who, where her daughter is? That's just an example because of the fact that she also doesn't care about her daughter. She cries. Yeah, she actually gives a crap during that time because of the fact that, you know, she lost her daughter. But once you keep on going into her character, you realize that she's not the she's not going to win no Mother of Year award. And she's very selfish. She only cares about herself. And, <coughs> excuse me. I think that Casey Affleck and Morgan Freeman's characters are two of the best characters in the movie and everything. Because you have Casey Affleck, who's the detective, trying to figure out where the daughter is. You have Morgan Freeman that's trying to find find the daughter as well. And the chemistry between them actually bounces off between them very nicely. And also, too, by the time this film is actually... uh, finishes and everything, it's going to blow your mind because of the fact that Morgan Freeman does something that you don't even expect him to do. And, you know, it's not anything bad. He doesn't do anything to the mother or anything like that. It wraps up really nice. It does have a little bit of a happy happy ending, in a sense. But, you know, I thought that once uh, the ending actually happens and then you show you can actually see how much of an unfit mother that she actually is. And how much of an uncaring person that she actually is. And everything. So there's that. But like I said. I think that you guys will actually have a lot of fun watching this movie. I know I did. But tell me what you guys think in the thinking everything. I'd like to let, know what you think of Gone Baby Gone. My top 10 list. Contagion. So that's going to do it for me for now. But <clears throat> going ahead. Smash that share button. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook at Movie Lovers, TV Lovers Unite. And also, to don't forget to subscribe to this channel. And tell your friends about this channel as well. And also, to give me a little bit of a review in the iTunes podcasting thing, too. Because I'm kind of curious about what you guys actually have to say about the channel. And if there's any type of cons- Here's the thing, I like constructive criticism whenever it's needed. So tell me what you guys think about the show. Send it on in. And until next time, bye-bye.